The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, that is our prayer today, as you are lifted up, and I pray that you would be, just as we exalt you as we look at your word. I pray that you would draw our eyes towards you. Lord, would you grow our faith during this time? Would you strengthen our faith as our knowledge of you increases as we, as we look into your word? Holy Spirit, please minister to us in that way. Make this time valuable in your kingdom as only you can do. I pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, i got to confess a little bit. I, I almost... Almost decided to call in sick today. It's such a beautiful weekend. I just thought, hey, you know, this would be the time to do it if you're going to do it. Really glad I didn't, though. I enjoyed worshiping with you. And I, I gotta, I've been chomping at the bit. I'm so excited about our passage today. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I'm ready to go with that. I have to get my one little complaint in before we get rid of it. I have a weekly complaint. Okay, you ready? The, these barrels that we have out front out here, we had flowers in them all summer. And uh, they were dying, so I thought we'll pull them out of there. And they look so sad. So I went out yesterday. I thought, now would be the time to get a good deal on pumpkins. So I bought some pumpkins. I thought, we'll just put them in there until it's time to decorate for Christmas. Somebody stole my pumpkins. <laughs> I know. What, what has this world come to that somebody would take a church's pumpkins? I, I don't know what it, what it is, but, uh, but we, uh, yeah, I know. That's just, it's just, I don't, at least we didn't find them broken in the parking lot. We'll be thankful for that, that somebody did not smash them. Okay, last week we began to look at the book of Hebrews. You remember that, right? Yes, you were all over it. And, uh, and we talked about this statement right here as kind of a theme for Hebrews. And it is that Jesus Christ is infinitely better than anything that we would leave to follow him. Or anything that we did leave to follow him. Okay, the author wrote and he said, okay, uh, some of you are wavering in your faith. Some of you are looking back at the temple and saying, that looks pretty sweet. Now I'm meeting there in his home churches and I'm under persecution. The, the uh, writer writes and he says, Jesus is infinitely better than anything that you left to follow him. You know, this would uh, just uh, encourage me this morning. Could we do this? I'm going to say Jesus is and you say infinitely better. Can we do that? It would just make me real happy this morning, kind of encourage my heart. Ready? You're saying infinitely better. You ready? Jesus is. That was pretty good. I was all prepared to say, you oh, know, that stunk. Let's do it again. But that wasn't bad. Uh, Jesus is infinitely better. Okay, now, there's another phrase that I want us to think about, too, that, that we'll talk about a lot as far as, as we go through the book of Hebrews. And this one I wrote down. And I think you're going to be impressed with the scholarliness of it. You ready? I'm going to put on my glasses so I look more scholarly. Here's, a, here's our scholarly statement to start the day with. The depth of your Christology will parallel the strength of your faith. Ooh. Okay? The depth of your Christology. Now, what are you talking about there? Christology is very simple. It is it's kind of what it sounds like. It is the study of Jesus Christ. So I could paraphrase this simply and just say, the better we know him, the more we'll trust him. Okay, that's what, that's what we're going to look at today. So as we dig into this passage, we have an opportunity uh, to get a look at some things that the, the writer wrote about Jesus. And um, it is important that our 
view of Jesus, that our knowledge of Jesus be complete or as complete as we can get it. Because many of us have an incomplete view of Jesus. And if our view of Jesus is incomplete, then our faith is going to be a little weaker. For example, some people, uh, you know, they know that Jesus is a great teacher. No argument. Jesus was a master teacher. A uh, small group, you've been going through the questions that he asked and the way that he taught and the para parables that he told. Jesus is a master teacher. No argument with that at all. But he is more than just a great teacher. Uh, Jesus was a revolutionary thinker. <laughs> the whole idea of the first shall be last. The path to greatness is through service. Everything that he taught there was revolutionary. But he was more than just that. Jesus is, and this may not sound like a compliment at first, but Jesus is a sheep hugger. I, I read that. Jesus is more than a sheep hugger. That's the title. I, I kind of li like that. But, you know, you see this picture of Jesus sitting with the lamb that comes up and sits on his lap. You know, he's petting it, and you know, that's a pretty little picture there. We like that. Well, Jesus is. Jesus is meek. He is gentle. He is humble. But Jesus is more than just that. Jesus is an advocate for the poor, no doubt. But Jesus is more than that. Jesus is an example of how we should live, but Jesus is more than that. And if our view of Jesus is limited to just a small piece, so we want to know more and more about him. So what our passage does today, I mentioned last week in verse number four of chapter one, uh, the first thing that the writer says is Jesus is better than the angels. He says he's superior uh, to the angels, okay, over all that. And we're going to look at why he chose to start with that and why it says angels to begin, begin with. But first of all, we're going to go through this text and just look at the ways where Jesus says or the reasons why Jesus is better than the angels. So the first question, how is Jesus better than the angels? If you're looking in your Bible or on your device and, and you look at this passage of Scripture, you will notice it's very spread out. Now, sometimes you read the Bible, it's just paragraph form, but this is really spread out, it's spaced out. That, the reason for that is because chapter 1 here of Hebrews is quotation after quotation after quotation from the Old Testament. Okay? It is, uh, what he is doing is he's talking to the Jews who would know the Old Testament, and he is bringing up Messianic prophecy after Messianic prophecy. In other words, the predictions about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to tell them all these things. So when, when I'm reading these verses to you, know that this is a quote from the Old Testament. In some places I may point out where they're from, some I may not, and you can find them. But as we go through Hebrews chapter 1, all the different things that he says about him, these are things that uh, were predicted in the Old Testament. So first of all, in verse number 5, he says, okay, again, he's going to say that Jesus is better than the angels. And then somewhat, I use the word sarcastically, uh, he asks these rhetorical questions. He says, for which of the angels did God ever say? <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> you know the answer is none. But did God ever say to any of the angels, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Did, you, did, did God ever say that to the angels? I want to prove to you. Now, we'll get into why later, but I want to prove to you that Jesus is so much better than the angels. God never said that to an angel. God never said, You are my son. Only to Jesus, only to Jesus do we know that he is the Son of God, that he is part of the Godhead, that there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three equally God. They are separate from each other, but they are all three equally God in the Trinity. He says, Jesus is the Son of God. And just as you think about that idea for a second, another aspect of it for your consideration. Now, I mentioned to you before, I am so thankful God has given me 
uh, some men that uh, are my brothers, and I love them dearly. But I, I have to tell you this. There is one, actually two now, men that I love above all others. One of them lives out in Colorado. He's my boy. He's my son. The other is my son-in-law. And I just, I, I, I don't mean I don't love, I love you, Curtis, man. Give me, uh, but I like them better. I got to tell you, they're my son. It's a unique relationship. And just as we think about that whole idea that he is the son of God. God never said that about an angel. Okay, what else? And again, when he brings the firstborn into this world, he says, let God's angels worship him. I believe this quote, uh, the other one was from Psalms. This one was from Deuteronomy, I believe. He says, let the angels worship him. But I want you to see two things in here unique about Jesus over the angels. One of them, he is the firstborn. Yeah, I wanted to stop on that for a second. You might remember when we went through Colossians, we talked about this. Colossians chapter 1 is also a great chapter on the study of Jesus, Christology. But one of the things that he says is that Jesus is the firstborn. It is important that we remember what this word meant to the Hebrews that are reading this. This does not mean that he was chronologically born first. It means that he is the highest ranking. There are many in the Hebrew culture that were not born first, and yet they were considered the firstborn. We have several examples in Scripture of that. Okay? He is the highest ranking. This is important because some of the cults have taken these verses out of Scripture, and they have said that Jesus then was created. He was the first created one. Jesus did not begin at Christmas, the first Christmas. Jesus came to earth at the first Christmas. Jesus is the firstborn, the highest ranking. He has always existed. We'll get to that in a minute. The second thing that he says in there is that he is worshipped. This is the one that is the angels worshipped him. You understand he's higher than the angels because he was worshipped by the angels. And he is the only one worthy of worship. I was thinking about this. Uh, I saw a couple things this week really made me cringe. And it reminded me, okay, i got to go way back, 1976. I won't ask how many of you were alive and kicking then. Uh, but 1976, I was a new Christian. I had just come to trust the Lord. And there was a presidential candidate that year from Georgia. Anybody with me who it is? Jimmy Carter is still alive today. But uh, Jimmy Carter, one of the big things they came out with is Jimmy Carter was a, a, a believer in Jesus Christ. And he was a Sunday school teacher. And I remember walking through the mall there in the South Hills of Pittsburgh and seeing a big poster outside of Spencer Gifts. Uh, I remember seeing it, and it had this picture of Jesus Christ, you know, kind of like he was in the garden, and they had superimposed this picture of Jimmy Carter on him. And they said, Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, J.C. can save America. And I, I remember that because even as a baby Christian, I cringed. And I thought, no, don't, don't go there. <laughs> and I have seen in recent days people superimposing pictures of President Trump or pictures of Joe Biden and, uh, and put them in there like that. And every time I do, I just cringe. I mean, if you want to stick their face on Rambo, fine. Uh, but, uh, but, 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 you know, but there's only one that is to be worshipped. Okay? There's only one that is to be worshipped. Uh, the angels get no worship, but Jesus Christ does get worshipped. He goes on and he says, and of the angels, he, may, he makes his angels winds and his ministers in the flame. I'm sorry, I'm killing that. But you see, what he's saying there is he has them serve him. They are his servants. You know, you walk up to a gro- uh, job site and you see the one who's given the orders. You see the one who's in charge. You see who's the ones who's directing the other people. You know they're in charge. Well, you know that Jesus is greater than the angels because the angels actually serve him. Okay, next verse, next passage. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of his righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. 
So the next thing that we get to here is that he indeed is God. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Except I want you to remember this idea that Jesus is God. And again, so crucial that we remember this because false teaching will always attack this idea. False teaching will always go after the deity of Christ. It will always claim that, no, he is a created being or he is a great teacher or he is, he is just a great example or, or, or whatever like that. They're always going to try to downplay that. Other religions are fine with believing in Jesus that he existed and that he indeed was a great teacher or even that he was a prophet. But the unique thing about Jesus is that he is not just those things. He, in fact, is God. God in a bod. Okay? Uh, and and we gotta, got got to grab that, okay? We, gotta, we have to hold on to that. I've used this illustration before, but if, uh, if you were visiting here today, I met a couple of folks who are here for the first time, and, and you might be, uh, you know, you're sizing me up or whatever like that, thinking, oh, this guy, you know, he's uh, <laughs> got some issues. But, uh, but maybe, uh, maybe there's some things you like, some things you don't. But let's say I threw this statement in right about now. I said, hey, I'm, my name is Dan. I'm the pastor here. Not only that, I just want to let you know I'm God. Okay, right away, I hope, <laughs> I hope you're trying to find the door. Uh, where's the exit sign? I got to get out of here. Uh, C.S. Lewis said about Jesus that he did not leave the, the option open for us to just believe that he was a great teacher because he declared that he was God. And when he does, did that, he is either a liar or a lunatic or the Lord himself. Okay, the option of thinking that he is just, you know, some type of great teacher or great example or anything like that, Jesus did not leave open. He is indeed God. Let's go on. And you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond, beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You'll roll them up like a garment that has to be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. Jesus Christ is eternal. Okay? I want to say again, he was not created. Science teaches us that life, biogenesis, life cannot come out of non-life. Okay? Something cannot come out of nothing. It's as scientific as you can get. And God says, this is the one who has been here forever. Okay, this is the one that is permanent. This is the one who is eternal. Jesus Christ, I want to say again, did not begin on that first Christmas. Jesus came to earth on that first Christmas. He is eternal. Let's go on. And to which of the angels, I'll get this, folks. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand? Until I will make your enemies a footstool at your feet. And they are not all ministers, set, are they not all ministers sent to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? That's the last verse of chapter 1. But I want you to capture this phrase for a second. We understand that Jesus is now in a place of honor and power. But let me, let me go back to that verse. God has said to him, sit at my right hand. Sit here in the place of honor for you have finished your work on the cross of Calvary. Sit here. Until, and the day is coming, when I will make your enemies your footstool. Okay, now this is a visual image that you might not want to see. And this may not be in the first picture that you have of Jesus Christ. But I really believe I would be remiss if I did not tell you the image that the, the, the scripture is painting here. Your enemies will be your footstool. 
Do not picture Jesus in a lazy boy with, it, with his feet up. Picture him as a, okay, I know this is, this is, picture him with his foot on the head of his enemies. That's the image, okay? Right now, you're sitting in the right hand. Right now, but the day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and those who oppose you, you'll have your foot on their head. You are victorious. I could get excited about that. You might be thinking, you know, even as we go through this, you might be thinking, you know, hey, pastor, though, I mean, right now, don't we need something to kind of calm our fears? You know, maybe maybe a little message that uh, just help us deal with some anxiety. You know, we sung about fear today because there's a lot of different reasons to be afraid and people want to attack and everything like that. Don't we need something to, to kind of calm us down? Uh, don't, don't we need that? Something, you know, a way to deal with our fear and anxiety? Um, you, you know well that I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't have, you know, ten tools. Here's, here's ten, ten ways to help you deal. I don't, I'm not a doctor that can prescribe something <laughs> to help you deal with anxiety. I'm not even a yoga instructor uh, that can help you, you know, just relax. I think I might need that. My hips need to get <gasps> loose there. I don't, do you have to wear yoga pants? If, well, never mind. We won't get into that. Uh, that would be a deal breaker. But... Uh, you know, I thought about all, you know, I, you know sometimes I think, Pastor, don't we need something that will just kind of calm us down? And I want to say to you, I really believe that what I've given you is the very best thing I can do as far as painting the picture of who Jesus is. For the more we know him, the more we trust him. The more we know him, the more, that's all right, today is the day of technical, uh, we're, we're good. <laughs> What is that you? I don't want to embarrass you at all. Don't nobody look at Ruth, okay? Because the last thing we want to do is call attention to anybody who's having, who's having a hard time right right now. Um, so <laughs> I don't know what I was saying. It was a crucial point of the sermon. Uh, no, actually, actually I do. And the <laughs> I think I do. I, I was just I was just thinking of this here um, job I had before I came here. Uh, a temporary job but uh, they were when I first started they had to hook me up with my phone you know they had to give me a phone and there was some deal where the phone had belonged to somebody else and they had to get it moved but I remember one of the first days I went into the office and uh, got one of the the people there to try to help me and they were calling to try to get this phone moved to my name and You've ever been on, now more than ever, you've ever been on the phone and you just keep getting, well, I can't do anything, you know. And, but you could call this number or let me connect you over here. And we were going through this and probably sat there for about 15 minutes uh, going through this. And she was getting exasperated and I was getting exasperated. And a guy from uh, a couple of desks over walked over and he said, hey, let me talk to them. And this guy got on the phone and he said, hey, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, it was very calmly, but he said, I'm not getting off this phone until we get this solved. So you get me a person who can solve it right now. And within three minutes, the problem was solved. And I thought every other time I went in that office, I went right to that guy. <laughs> I thought, this is the guy who can get it done. Uh, this is the guy I want to hang around. This is the one that, that, that knows what's going on and can get it done. As we navigate difficult situations, we want to be around. We want to know this person. We want to be close to this person, the one who can get it done, the one who brings peace. You know, this is probably a weird little illustration, but I mentioned that when, uh, when I was preaching in an empty auditorium, my wife would come in every week. Part of the reason she'd do that is because she knows I just like to have her there. 
<laughs> you know, I, she's kind of, you know, my security blanket a little bit. And, uh, you know, I just, I just really love, you know, just because I know her, I trust her. I just feel more comfortable when she's around. I just know, you know, if we get to know Jesus better, we will trust him more. I don't have a secret remedy for how to get to know him better. It's the same old thing we've been preaching for years. We know him through his word where he has revealed himself. So we know him by spending time in his word and we know him through prayer. Uh, talking to him even when I don't feel like talking to him. Going and maybe starting my prayer like God I don't really feel like praying today. But go, going to him anyway and talking to him. I want to be close right now. You know what? I want to be close to the one who knows who wins the election. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, you must have missed the news yesterday. We know who wins the election. Now, I'm talking about 2024. He knows who wins that one. 28, 32, 36, 40, sorry. I have to see if I can keep adding four. Uh, may not be around. I want to be with the one. Remember the first song we sang today, Authority? I want to be with the one whose authority is not impacted by anything going on. Can I say that again? I want to be close to the one whose authority is not impacted by anything happening in the world. I heard the phrase yesterday, well, we have a new leader. We have a new president. I don't have a new leader. Okay? I have the same leader I always had. He's stable. He is constant. And he's not biting a single nail over anything going on. Okay? And that, that is the Jesus that we point to. Okay? Now... Okay, first of all, that's just plain fun going through that. I loved uh, just to talk about Jesus and to lift him up. But let me get back to this whole idea of why the better than angels bit. Why is that there? Okay, so, uh, so my second question is, how is he, the first one is, how is he better than angels? But my second question is, why do we care? <laughs> why is that a big deal? Now, I have taught this incorrectly over the years. Are you ready? I won't apologize because Mike Kanabi told me I need to stop apologizing. I feel terrible about all the apologizing I've been doing. Uh, so I'm not going to do that any, anymore. Uh, but I have taught this incorrectly over the years because I always figured, hey, he starts off there and he says, Jesus is better than angels. They must have been worshiping angels. And I've taught that, that they were worshiping angels. You say, well, that's logical. And it does seem logical. But when I studied it this week, I found out that especially in the Jewish community, they weren't worshiping angels. There were some Gentile groups that occasionally would. But that wasn't the, the object of it. Uh, you know, he wasn't like, hey, you're worshiping angels. Knock it off. Jesus is better than angels. That made sense to me. And when we get to some other things later in Hebrews, it fits. You know, you've been following Moses too much or worshiping Moses. Don't do that. Jesus is better. But so, so why then is it there? And, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things I just love about the Word of God is the, the more you read it, the more you study it, it's just always fresh. And, and you, know, you, you never get to the depth of everything. So every time I study it, God teaches me something new. Well, when you get into the beginning of chapter 2, and remember, the chapter divisions are not inspired, but God explains why we're talking that he's better than angels. Why is this important? Why do we need to know it? He says, therefore, okay, there it is. Okay, Jesus is better than angels. Therefore, okay, here's why I told you that. Okay, now I'm going to tell you this. We must pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Let, let me stop for just a second here. Both the words in the original language from the, the drift away and the closer attention are nautical terms. The close attention is we need to anchor into this so that we don't drift on by. He says, Jesus is better than angels, so therefore you better pay attention to this. You better get this 
Because this, because since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, okay, what they said was true. And every transgression or disobedience received a just rest restribution. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Uh, but he, he, he said, hey, since this message that the angels gave, you better listen to because uh, you're going to answer. You need to understand something. Jesus is way above the angels. So we better listen to his message. Now I'm going to go, go back to that in a second, but let's go on to the next verse. How then? And some of you have heard this verse before. Here's the context. How shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? Okay? If what the angel said all came true, and if you don't follow what the angel says, you're in trouble, there's retribution, you better for sure believe what Jesus said because he's higher than the angels. How in the world are you going to escape? How are you going to make it if you neglect so great a salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to by those who heard it, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Actually, what is being said there, if we just throw this up here real quickly, is that Jesus is better than the law. And I'll show you why I'm saying that, because what is the message given by angels? If you look here in the book of Acts, it says, who received the law as delivered by angels. And it goes back to reference in Deuteronomy about the angels distribute, or de delivering the word and, uh, and did not keep it. And then in, in Galatians, he said a similar thing. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through the angels. The law was put in place. So when he is saying, he, he said, you better get this, okay? The angels, you got the law delivered by them. You couldn't keep the law. It was given there really to show us our sinfulness. And you understand that. You understand there's retribution for not keeping the law. Well, you better understand it even more. You better really get that Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. I have come to declare to you the good news of the gospel that I am the way to God. You better not miss that one. Okay? So the message comes here you know, very, very plainly. That, uh, that he, Jesus Christ, is the only way to heaven. So the third question comes here. And then what are we to do? What are we to do? Remember, the writer said you better pay close attention to this. Don't drift on by. Okay, you better not miss this. In every, I'm going to use the word religious circle, in every religion, you kind of have different groups at a gathering. Back in the temple, they would have those who were born into the Jewish faith. They were devout Jews. They would also have those that were called proselytes, uh, which are those who were converted into Judaism, but uh, you know, they were followers. They, they had now become Jews. And they would also have around the temple uh, what were God-fearing people, but who weren't quite believers yet. Okay, now they were allowed. They were welcome there. They couldn't be part of everything, but they were still there. Now, when you move to the New Testament church, and this is every every uh, fellowship that comes together. You have those who we would say are mature Christians, okay? They have uh, grown in their faith, and they are firm in their faith, and they love the Lord. They're secure in that. You have other people that are baby Christians, newer Christians, okay? And by the way, I say this often, but I am so thankful for that, okay? I use the illustration in the family, of, you know, just how, you know, when it's just a bunch of old people around celebrating Christmas, there's no kids, it kind of stinks, you know, where's the toys? Um, and, 
but you know, just the idea that just like a family needs that new blood, that new life, so it is in the uh, the church that you have to have that to keep it alive and, and exciting. But every group has the has the uh, the believers, the mature believers, and you have surrounding them many times new believers. But you also have in the fellowship those who we could use the term almost believers. Okay. They're kind of watching with interest, and they're interested, and they're kind of excited you know, a little bit about maybe the idea of following God, but they haven't quite come to the place where they actually believe. Okay? How shall you escape, the writer says, if you neglect so great a salvation? So the third question is, what do we do? And the answer, quite simply, is to believe the gospel. Believe the message. Okay, let me back up again. I know I'm re repeating. You see, everything, hey, we, we've got to show you how much greater Jesus is than the angels. The angels declared the law, but understand what Jesus' is, his message is so much greater. And if you think, I mean, if you're going through life thinking, yo, I've got to be good, I've got to be good, I've got to be good, get you to heaven. Okay, first of all, you're going to come up short because the law was given to show us that we're wrong. But secondly, if you believe that message, I've got to be good, I've got to obey the law, I've got to do this, you better dead sure believe when Jesus said, you must be born again. You must receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what is that message? Number one, God is perfect and we are not. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, sin is a problem that separates us from God. Number three, God loves us too much to leave things that way. So he executed a plan. Number four, that plan involved the incarnation, what we celebrate at Christmas time, that God took on human flesh and came to this earth. Number five, in that human flesh, he lived a perfect life. Number six, he sacrificed that life. Even though he did not deserve a penalty, he took that penalty, he laid that life down as a perfect sacrifice for us. And number seven, he rose again, victorious over sin and death. And he told us to come to the cross. Now that is church speak. Come to the cross. Okay, what exactly does that mean? It means to come to a place where I realize that I cannot save myself. And I say to God, I need you to rescue me. I need you to rescue me. I trust in what you did on that cross. You laid down your life. I can't get there on my own. You know, what, what is this point that defines the difference between somebody who is coming, a church goer, and a Jesus knower? And here's where it is right, right here. Coming to that place where say, God, I cannot get to heaven on my own. I can't do it. All my works, all my going to church, all my giving money, all my kind deeds, I know they're not going to be enough because man has a basic problem, and that problem is we have all sinned. And that is why Jesus, that's why Jesus didn't stop by just coming and being a good teacher. Hey, here's how you ought to live. Jesus came to lay down his life, to die on the cross because we need a Savior. And you need a Savior. And I need a Savior. And when we come to him and we say, God, rescue me, something supernatural takes place. The dead spirit inside of us is replaced by the living spirit of Jesus Christ that he gives us. The supernatural occurs, and I am no longer simply a churchgoer, but now I am a Christ-knower. Do you like, uh, I, I know this, 
speaks to my old age and my don't like change, but do you like it when your phone updates? You know, I, I, I deliberately want to make sure my phone is never left plugged in overnight because they always update it. You say, well, why is that a problem? Because it changes things every time. And then I have to go back in and figure out how to do it. I, I get my phone every once in a while and I strip off everything I don't use because sometimes I strip off things I shouldn't have. But, uh, and then I have to go get help and get them put back on. But, uh, but I, I just like to keep it just as simple as I can. And when they do, do these stinking updates, uh, I have to relearn my phone. I don't like to. But, you know, you get there and you're trying to take the, the old methods with a new system. Okay, I'm trying, I'm trying to make this work. I'm trying the old stuff and trying to make it work. Okay, the way of the law, the angels, that's the old system. The system that Jesus introduced is grace. I have laid down my life. I have made a way for you to have forgiveness through faith and trust in the King of Kings. Okay, so that's the new system. And if I'm trying to, for, for, for many people, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to force, no, no, that's not how we do it. We try to be good enough. We count up our brownie points and make sure we get enough to, to, to win God's approval. You know, somewhere in heaven, there's got to be this giant scale. And when you get there, God's going to say, hey, here you go. Uh, uh, on this side is your good stuff. On this side is your bad stuff. And whichever side wins, that's where you go. That's not how it is. Jesus said that all have sinned. and come short of the, the scripture teaches all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus said, I am the way. Through me, through me is the only one to know forgiveness. And can I say that uh, Scripture also teaches us that uh, we're going to stand before God. And on that day, very simply, not going to matter who won the football game last night. Not going to matter who won the election. What's going to matter is have I neglected this great salvation that God provided through Jesus Christ. That's going to be the only thing that matters. So can I implore you to understand what the writer was saying here today? Can I, can, I, can, I, can I show that to you? Yeah, Jesus is better than angels. Man, cling to that. Rejoice in that. Let's talk about him. And we're going to see more as we go through Hebrews. We're going to keep lifting up his name. And the better you know him, the more you're going to trust him. But do not miss. Do not miss. There's only one way to heaven. Okay? The angels... They told you, and you believed it. Now, you better get this. Jesus said, I'm the way. No man comes to the Father but by me. You better really, really get this. Because Jesus is better than the angels. He, he outranks them. He kills it there. You got it? Let me just say this real quickly. Uh, before I invite the, the team up, we're going to close with a song. But uh, I, I just want to, I mentioned 1976. Uh, was the first time that uh, I realized I couldn't get to heaven on my own. I really was playing that scale game. I thought, I figured, you know, hey, if you do enough good, you're getting into heaven. And most people believe that. That's the law. You know, I could keep the law. I can be good enough. First time I realized that I needed a Savior. I, I do not have the ability to speak that message into your heart. But I want to tell you that if there is something drawing you that says, hey, that's where I am. I want you to understand that's what God's Spirit does to us. He convicts us, and he tells us that we need him. He draws us to himself. So if there's something kind of bugging you right there, oh, how much I want you to do what I did back then. Turn to Jesus and say, I can't save myself. I need you. I trust 
in Jesus Christ. That can be done. You can meet with me and we'll talk about it later. But that can be done right in your seat right now. Where your heart says, God, I need this. Okay, I need the Savior. I need the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray. Uh, the guy's going to come back up. And uh, you, know what? you know what we're going to sing about? The, uh, the song says, no longer slaves. The scripture tells us that because of the work that Jesus Christ did, when we come to him in belief, he calls us sons. He calls us his children. So no longer slaves to fear, but God sets us free. That's awesome, isn't it? Isn't that a great thing to celebrate that what takes place there in Jesus Christ and what we have in him? So we're going to sing one more song together, praising him in that way. And then just one other item uh, that, that we want to take care of before we leave today. Father, thank you. Thank you for the chance. Chance that I have, Lord, to speak truth. But, Lord, there's no reason why anybody should believe me, especially people who don't know me. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would convince us of the truth of your word in a way that I never could. Especially, Lord, those who are sitting on the outside. Maybe they, maybe they've been coming here even for a while. But the whole, you know, they're, they're almost, almost believers. They're almost there. Lord, Spirit of God, give us no rest until we respond to the most important need that we have, of the Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.